Welcome to Zero Ambitions, a podcast about sustainability, the built environment, and zero carbon goals. This week, we are with Peter Warm and Sally Godber, father and daughter, low energy building experts. Their main business is Warm, a low energy building consultancy. They're a consultancy who certify, train, and test buildings with a heavy emphasis on Passive House. They've been involved in it for years. I think Peter is one of the inaugural members of the AECB. Sally is his daughter, who ended up... So they've been involved in green building in the UK. I don't know, possibly fair to say since the start. More recently, they've been involved in flagship developments like Goldsmith Street. I mean, they're total heads. So Jeff, who knows them, uh, suggested that we get them on to have a chat about how do we build better. Thinking about low energy building. Now, we didn't just want to focus on passive house, but we thought we could dig into their experience as certifiers to find out, uh, well, the basics for how does anyone do better? You know, as certifiers, what do they commonly see going wrong? What should people be thinking about at the start of any job? Now, we did cover that, but only late on. We got a bit waylaid when we found out that they had some exciting news about training. They don't just have Warm, the consultancy, peterwarm.co.uk. They have another business, a non-profit focused on training in the industry. They've been setting out to revolutionise how training of building physics and passive house is proliferated throughout construction by first offering a basic grounding in passive house, so building physics, first to architectural students, like undergrads, with plans to make this available to all professions throughout the built environment. Now, we did cover the questions that we had about what goes wrong. Now, TLDR version is just get an experienced energy retrofit or passive house consultant involved in your project at the earliest opportunity to help steer you right. It is an investment, not a cost, but on the way to getting there. I mean, sorry, it does go on long. Uh, It's just how the conversation ran. Promise we do get to the practical advice. Oh, also, just by their own admission, they use the phrase passive house as just shorthand for basic good design principles in terms of building physics. So please don't be alienated if passive house ain't your bag. It's just built better. Anyway, right. That's enough for me. Uh enjoy. Um just last thing, please do share it. Join a can, join the ACB, join the IGBC. Check these guys. They have warm and the training business is coaction. So coaction.org.uk. And I'll leave it at that. Oh, and it's just me and Jeff this week. Alex was away, busy. We enjoyed it. Hope you do too. Cheers. We we often find an oblique angle to the conversation. It helps. Well, uh, it eases into something. Why, why don't we start with passive house uh, pet doors then? <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. Well, we've got we've got Rosie here under the table, so she might have an input. Very smelly. <laughs> high ventilation rate for dogs. Passive <laughs> passive house pet doors. Uh, yeah, have you not seen them? No. There's a there's a, an Austrian company now. They're not. Certified. The Passive House Institute hasn't, last time I checked, added a section to their their, their component database for pet doors. Uh, so there's something remiss there. But no, there was a, there was an Austrian company um, that was pet walk. They're called. 
um, free plug for someone there, um, who had a, 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 a thermally broken airtight uh, pet door. I think it had two door, two flaps on either side of the door. Um, and no, it was it wasn't. It was it was electronic, and they had a chip in the dog's or the pet's collar. Yeah. So that only your pet could come in, but it was yeah, it, it, there was a kind of hermetic seal on it. Um, I gather not the cheapest, but <laughs> people will spend their money on on these things, like an <laughs> NFC airlock. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. Is there an oxygen supply for the intermediate? Ventilation meter calculate the air rate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have decentralized heat recovery ventilation built into the unit. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I, I, it was just one door. Thinking about it, actually, was uh, I was just a. Uh, it's so long ago since I've seen it that I started to. Um, my imagination started to run away with me. Yeah, um. <laughs> it does seem a bit. I mean, there would be a market for it somehow, but it, <clears throat> one would imagine it will get prohibitively expensive. Well, I don't know. Like, I seem to remember that there's actually there's the there's the sixteen hundred quid version. I suspect that's what you're talking about. There's also a hundred and seventy five quid one as well. <laughs> but I don't think it performs quite as well. Yeah. <laughs> how much you love your pet. Exactly. I mean, people, 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 thermal anyone, performance. <laughs> anyone who can afford a passive house, I mean, they probably got cows as well. Don't they? I mean, God. well, this is this is it. And <laughs> when you're doing the calculations on a passive house, do you factor in? The kilowatts from pets, <laughs> the size of the dog, <laughs> how active the, the dog breed, how active it is, how much uh, energy it sheds well, I think, off. Uh, I think we should be putting a sedentary thirty watts in. I reckon thirty watts for dog. <laughs> don't you think so? The, the like value would... spaniel, you know, so they're mad. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, the amount of energy that they expend, for instance, compared to like my little um, Maltese who does nothing, you know. Um, yeah, and you would need the value to decline with age. <laughs> well, I mean, as they get older, they may become more of a thermal store. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, like a, a, a store for passive solar. I, I, th I thought we'd really proved that uh, thermal mass wasn't really a function of passive house, wasn't it? <laughs> Depends on how many dogs you have, Pete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, just got one. Oh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, uh, look, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so just uh, to start again, uh, we've got here <laughs> Pete Warm, <laughs> the father and daughter team of Pete Warm and Sally Godber. Um, and I know you uh, both through uh, the, the, the kind of passive house certification uh, training and consultancy company that you've been operating for years called Warm, which is a, a, a wonderfully apt name. Uh, oh, no, no, you're out of date now. It's called... Um... Um, so this goes into a bit of kind of where we are now. In yeah, exactly. Yeah. So definitely was, at the moment, there is, so there are two businesses. So Warm is our consultancy business that does certification and design advice. And you go and poke around and work out why buildings aren't working and all of that kind of stuff. And then the other part of the business is the training. And that we have turned into a not-for-profit and this was kind of for multiple reasons. One was that we just, um, all of our trainers were kind of from our competitors even as one. So it's from people that were kind of a range of backgrounds and we wanted it to be seen as kind of independent of one that we didn't want it to be. Um, and we really didn't want it to be dependent on one okay. as well. Like for a long time financially, it was supported by one. It's a not-for-profit. It also means that... It just 
kind of cements what we're aiming at in terms of wanting to make change in the industry and this being the mechanism mm. for all of the trainers that are like all of the passive house gurus in the UK, allowing them to make that change. So that yeah, so that's that's a big change really. When from six people in warm to twelve people in warm doing consultancy and twenty-four trainers, which that's is fantastic. Always. That's fantastic. So you're kind of trying to avoid the whole kind of people's front of Judea versus the popular people's fronts and so on, you know? Yeah. One thing I mean that was always that was always what in terms of the, from the beginning, the kind of setting up of it was always that ambition that it was something that was we wanted to be bigger than our consultancy. So just for the record, like when Dad decided that we he thought we should be offering this training to the UK, and he was worried that the German version would like fall on its face, that it wouldn't be what it wouldn't be readily taken up. I was completely against all of this. I thought it was an absolute disaster. Um, and I was quite happy just doing my normal work. And um Remy brought her in because she knew how to do invoices. You've been working a property <laughs> So as soon as she came, we started making money. <laughs> so, so I was really like, I was just like, oh man, I quite like going home at night and going to sleep and all of that. And we just kind of set up the consultancy. So it was kind of it was a it was Definitely, like, in the the beginning of our process as a consultancy, and then Dad had this mad idea. He's like, oh, I'll get all my mates over, and we'll build a new course. And the, With back the UK, UK building, UK yeah, building techniques. And, and, and having the, that whole it kind of really being rooted in practitioners <laughs> that were teaching it, that really knew what they were doing. Who had done it, who had done it or tried. <laughs> so we did, we wrote this, and this was a course that took the Institute three years to write. And um, we were like, oh, three months will do it. We'll be fine. We'll be absolutely fine. That was in 2009. And um, we had like probably about four courses a year with like six people on it. And it was a real struggle. To, and it was something, as I said, like warm, really. It was very supported by Warm in kind of getting it going and marketing that. But Dad was so adamant that this is what the industry needed. This was the training that we had to be putting out there. And, yeah, so that was the start of it, really. And it's definitely, it feels like, in terms of our personal ambitions to make change in the industry, it's the thing that we can use as a kind of catalyst to kind of, yeah, let those uh, the ripples go out. I think you also got to blame the ACB as well, actually, because they're still their fault, really, that we're in this position in the first place. They hadn't actually got together and then entangled me, and then and we had uh, the ACB in the early days. They had three, they had three energy consultants in in the board of eight, you know, just by so it Wasn't really surprising the ACB came up with its own energy standard. Back yeah. in those days, which, which I mean, really was punching above its weight, but we got noticed. Yeah, and one of the things we got noticed by was um, David Olivier. He went, he went, he did all these trips abroad. He went to Canada, to um, America, or a lot of Europe. He came back and said, "Look, guys, you've got your own energy standard, but there's a much better one over here. It's called Passive House." <laughs> wow, I didn't know <laughs> so that. We, actually, we said, "Hey, okay, we can handle not invented here. <laughs> we'll have it." Well, that's very un- how very unBrexity of you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so that yeah. went, um, I mean, that that was, uh, yeah, and then what happened is that we had a passive house group looking at it all, 
which I think it's still, it's still the same people are still teaching. <laughs> uh, there was a, a small number. And then we invited Wolfgang over for uh, AGM. And then he in turn invited us to send somebody to be a, a trained to be a certifier. That was the start of it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But And your background um, as well, Pete, uh, I heard on the grapevine, um, I actually can't remember, I'm not being uh, disingenuous here, I cannot remember who mentioned it to me, but it was recent, yeah, very recently, very, very recently, um, <laughs> that you initially were very sceptical about Passive House at first. Is that right? Well, I'm sceptical about everything first. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, why, why? If you've got something that works, why bother? But yeah, it, it was just. I think the thing is that what got me about the past in those early days is it was obviously ten, fifteen years ahead of us. We were messing around with, oh, you know, how, what new values should we choose? And it was saying, no, oh, whole house, whole house, do the whole house thing. It was totally that way. And it, 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 it you know, we were monitoring one and two houses. They were doing two hundred. Mm. It was just, you know, it was it, it wasn't really very hard to say, yeah, they're a bit of edifice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's and your but your background, you've been involved in green building for a long time before you found Passive House, had you? Um, well, only that I mean what happens is you you um you're a student, you uh, run out of grants, you've got to make an income, you think, mm, I'll do some energy surveys. And then he realised that okay, I'm good. I can do that. I can make money. I can support my family. Um, I know. Let's go and build a house. Let's go to the Gloucestershire or Herefordshire or somewhere like that and build a house. And then suddenly you find out there's quite a few of you all stuffing insulation in the wrong way. Uh, and get together. And that really is the core of the ACB. I should, I think, mention. I have to give mention to Keith Hall, who founded the ACB. Yeah. And he did it on the basis he was a chippy. Um, he loved his really fine staircases, etc. He would churn out, um, but he he went to Ghana to see where where really the wildlife, and he was shocked at what mm. he saw was a clear felling, and so he came back and founded it. So it's, it's his fault as well. It's like 1989, wasn't it? <laughs> this was when I think I think it's 1989. Uh, the well, you know me. I I I I've given up measuring time spans. <laughs> <laughs> I. <laughs> Yeah, I'm heading that way myself. Um, but um, I know I'm I'm pretty sure I recall that. So were you involved in the ACB at the at the very outset as well? Um, Keith already, Keith and Sally is his wife already set it up. I just came along and I suppose I was the third person and I, I was chair for many years until we bent some elbows and got someone else to do it. <laughs> so yeah, that was in it for a while. Yeah. It's uh, well it was a good thing, you know, it's such a, it just made sense that Think about where the stuff you build comes from. Yeah, let alone the energy side. I mean, Keith yeah. wasn't interested in that particularly. Uh, um, uh, it's really amazing, isn't it? Like the book that you guys wrote on green building was very much looking at like researching products. Mm. I think really kind of the stuff that we're looking at now in terms of that kind of the um, the what carbon content, linking, or... carbon content, but also kind of linking back to kind of revol- 
resource sufficiency mm. sufficiency stuff all of that mm. is very much it's there's there's so much of that which you guys are already caring about and i think particularly a lot of the things that we label as passive house is actually just us trying to be really careful mm. with materials mm. and wanting to kind of get the best out of them because for passive house you can just add insulation and you'll be all right you know most yeah, yeah you can just <laughs> you can mostly get away with adding more and yeah. you'll be fine but that isn't particularly in the UK, that isn't where we've gone with it. And I think that's really the the work that had been done in the ACB meant that that whole sufficiency piece was kind of already baked in and there was already the sense that these materials are fragile and we want to be, um, yeah, we need to be really careful in the way that we use them. Absolutely, because, I mean, in a way, the, the thing that passed us coming along, we just put a big tick box against, you know, there was a, a gender list, number four was, Right, new energy standards, you know. That's it. So, in a way, it's sort of like a diversity, really, because we haven't done that. Because basically, we just want to make, make, we just accept that the process at the moment is just really And it also, it really, for me, the thing that I have always really admired in what you've done is kind of the bridging, the technical geekery, mm. and also the practical side. And really, all those kind of self-builds that you did were like trials of stuff and like, kind of, how do you make this work? And I remember from the first conversation we had, it was like everything you had learned this really backed so up. about me? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, there was no way we could claim credit for this. Like, no, no, that's right. Jeff just yeah, written about oh, it and I disappeared. <laughs> I'll take the credit though, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't just that you were like, oh, you know, this is better than what we got. It also, there was a lot of it tying into your experience and that it kind of backed up what you understood and all the things that you had come to understand about both that practical and the theory and it seemed to hit both of those two really well mm-hmm. as well uh, as well as your understanding so yeah and that's what the ACB did as well really well wasn't it it was a lot of trying things out yeah, yeah. and it really um that was that both having a really good understanding of the theory mm-hmm. and being really inquisitive and then having a go at trying it out and I think that's something which is like it's just a magical place to be where you can um being able to um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that it's really um, that inquisitive nature is really um, admired and something to kind of strive for. And I think that that has kind of set a lot of the culture within the passive house community yeah. um, has been set through that kind of approach. And those individuals that kind of started to. Well, this is it. I would add into that openness and transparency and uh in other words um you know uh, we i've been publishing a, a green building magazine of one kind or another for over 20 years now dan was involved in, in the outset in, in the magazine um back back in the back in 2003 and uh, so i'm a blow in compared to you pete but uh you see occasionally you'll come you'll come across someone an architect or whomever who thinks they've they've got the complete solution and the, the kind of the egos there and there's and the, the 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 lack of kind of willingness to to look at it from the perspective that we're trying something um mm-hmm. we don't know we're not so invested in this that that, mm-hmm. that if it doesn't produce the results we hope it does it's going to shatter our ego so uh, and in a way i think that 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 when you come at it from that perspective that being the basis for how kind of passive mm-hmm. house developed in the uk 
for me, it, it, it probably helped it gain credibility in a way that, that it otherwise might have struggled because it wasn't just a, an eco spiv coming along trying to sell something, you know, blindly evangelically. Is that not the, the benefit of passive house as a standard? Right. And just to be clear, passive house isn't the only standard. Other standards are available. It is just a, a, a platinum standard. But it, it gives you, it tells you, and I'm being very reductive here, it tells you what the end point is. Like these are these are the, the standards you will have to uphold. Right, crack on, work out how you get there. And yeah. there are lots of there are myriad ways you can approach the, the absolutely. Challenge. It's just absolutely. to know what I mean, the end point of the equation should that's be. The, that's the beauty of it, really, isn't it? Is that I mean, if you want, you can do it all in steel. You know, I mean, maybe you use uh, wireless insulation. I don't know how you do that. Asbestos. We want to build. We want to build the first asbestos passive house. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys certified that, yeah. No. Certainly don't know what to go. Yeah. I do think that in terms of this, also that kind of dissipation and setting that culture. This is what's Mm. so exciting about doing the training as well, because it's both the technical stuff of kind of just filling someone's brain full of all the things and the stuff you got wrong and you really want to tell them please don't make the same mistakes that we did and all of those kind of things as well trying to get them to kind of stretch their brain a bit and become inquisitive and uh, start to question things you know and, and particularly looking at drawings and saying you know how the hell how do what does this actually look like in a construction and I think that's the bit that's it feels like that's having this group of trainers that have kind of been through that for themselves and have that really strong attitude towards their work is just amazingly exciting to be able to take that and um, to take them into the kind of training arena and a lot of our trainers started off doing our course and then went away and we're like oh my god no that you know this isn't quite right and you need to sort this out and we're like oh okay oh, yeah. come this way <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> that is, i think that's something that's really exciting about working with that group and uh, is that um there's one of our trainers eric fuster who's an expert in retrofit he's based yep. in manchester great man and, and, yeah. and he's he does a lot of our contractor training and mm. he's uh he he works an awful lot in retrofit and he was like sally we need a retrofit course mm. this was probably about four years ago and it because we didn't get on and do it he just did it and he's like i don't really care i've done this thing we're going ahead with a retrofit course and they're just that that's the kind of the the drive that the trainers have whilst it is a bit kind of herding sheep or cats or any kind of crazy animal and at the same time that passion really drives through and it enables warm our kind of the co-action team is generally trying to co-action is the new name yeah 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 yeah. but it's really exciting and they say for a lot of the new projects that we've got coming up have been things where a trainer in our group has been absolutely passionate about and said we must do this or something that needs to go into the course where they they feel really strongly about it and we don't often have a choice about it but that's great at the same time you know so actually that unruly nature is wonderful because it makes things happen and in the position that we're in at the moment we need things to happen quite quickly yeah so relying on everyone agreeing on something whatever else is not necessarily yeah, yeah so yeah. that feels really amazing and yeah another one of our trainers sarah lewis who's the oh, yeah. um, technical director at the passive house trust she yeah. um great. she went and talked to reba and said we need an 
uh, we need to provide training for the undergraduates. And she didn't actually tell us this. <laughs> and then came back and was like, right, so uh, what do you reckon? What would we provide, Sally, if we were going to provide training for all of the un- architectural undergraduates wow. in the UK? And that is just about to go live next week. Yeah, exactly. That's really amazing. So, um, so what is that going to look like? This is an ongoing conversation that we have with uh, Reba and Scotia, which is the schools of architecture. So we're looking to do more of this next year. Whether they like it or not, we're in now and we're determined to get their undergraduates educated. <laughs> like, a, like a horrible house guest to yeah. leave. <laughs> exactly, that's it. Like, on. Um, so this year, we've got a load of the basic theory stuff about what makes a real difference to design, basically. So it's design-focused. This is self-study courses. So that's all kind of up and running. Following on from that, we're looking to um, do some practical training with them. Mm. So that's obviously a really important part of our understanding and knowing how the hell do you get design or kind of construct something without a gap and... Mm. All of those things that look fine on a drawing, but actually the reality is something very different with the tolerances yeah. that you have on site. Um, and then going on to do, uh, we were thinking that next year it's likely to be retrofit. And then our ambition is that all students doing their master's degree will be getting the passive house designer qualification. So designer, yes. We, we, have a, we have a designer at Bath still, don't we? Yes, designer course is run by Bath yeah. Wow. So is it the only one we've managed so far? Yeah, there are some others that are doing it night away. But Bath Uni, we had 60 students go through this year, and that's kind of been fairly consistent doing the passive house design on yeah. their masters. So that's what we want for the whole profession. And then there's obviously there's the other professions as well within the construction industry that we need that kind of thought process of, of it. So I mean, our mainstay is about teaching professionals mm-hmm. because that's who we are, and we want to talk to the kind of equivalent so we can go oh yeah man I've been in that situation that is an absolute nightmare I totally get it and can give real support and um, experience this is something where we've really seen an opportunity where there really needed to be a leg up and they just needed the change in education was oh, for sure they were able to do so we kind of really got that is amazing well, well done and well done Sarah Lewis it's, absolutely it's, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. I didn't even know that. Um, I'm amazed. I think one of the things that really works was uh, get get the the beginning of the professional bit is really important. Well, and And that pays dividends. Absolutely. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, though, how, because you're you're going to be starting to reach into territory now. It's probably fair to say that a lot of the people that you've trained so far have been interested, like, you know, Uh, enthusiasts, right? And I know that to to a newbie looking at things like passive house, it can look quite intimidating, mm. especially when you have like a very unlovely looking Excel spreadsheet and all this kind of stuff, you know. Um, and it's bruising for people who are not uh, yeah, yeah. In, in, into it. So, have you thought about how you? Well, have you thought about uh, about trying to get feedback from people, for instance, about about how uh, what they've liked, what they haven't liked, what's intimidating? Uh, you know, how to how to put this stuff in a, across in a way that that's as engaging as possible for people who you'd like to think young architects now would be bloody interested considering <laughs> the world is on fire and they're going to be there for, you know, for, for the fallout of that, you know? So so rather than just look at the feedback though, Jeff, like so what you've described is something we've been banging on about certainly since I joined the podcast. There's a, a deficit in 
the availability of education for kids going through institutional uh, educational institutions in terms of low energy building, not just passive house. Mm -hmm. Now, passive house as the platinum standard is a belt in place to to aim for, but we also know that they're not going to be able to apply it. But if you're taking them through first principles, mm -hmm. then so new build first principles, then retrofit, then mm -hmm. practical. Is that's the the version you laid out? What does this on ramp actually look like? And just as Jeff said, like what's the what is the feedback you're getting so far? Well, we we, we ask we ask everyone for feedback, think, don't we? Yeah, I think that so it's two separate things. The because we really wanted to get something up and running mm. for next academic year, we were kind of like, what can we what can we cobble together quite quickly to give them that basics? And you're absolutely right. Like it's really nice to hear you say about when we say passive house, we mean low energy, quality building. Yeah. Yeah. And so we use it as a shorthand, but of course this stuff can be applied to everything. So it's just, it's like really good, solid, basic design principles mm. is what we're interested in. Um, so that is, this is the start of it. And both for this course and for our wider courses, that piece that you refer to, Jeff, about getting people to care mm. and really wanting them to feel as passionate as we do, because this is... For us to see change, it's not going to be the technical standard that's mm. going to make the difference. It's about the mindset mm. and the willingness of people to go, hang on a minute, actually, let's stop. Can we rethink this? Mm. And that is both scary because it's way harder than nice engineering stuff. But at the same time, it's also really exciting. And I think this is a thing that for everyone that has been involved in a Passive House project, that opportunity where someone shows kind of willingness and engagement and goes oh bloody hell actually if I do a good job I get rewarded right. um then that is it's just absolute magic and I think particularly for the contractor side and the site team mm. that is just it's so powerful for them to feel like it's that they're you know them doing a good job matters you're absolutely right. We've kind of been through the people that are really kind of passionate and care about it. I mean, there still are lots of people that feel like that, but we also have to, we can't just stop there and go like, well, we're, you know, we're ready when you decided this is the right thing. <laughs> um, we do need to really kind of really push forward and go further into it. And that does mean addressing the piece on why. Well, this is, yeah. I think that's really, mm -hmm. and it's something which we have got some of in the undergraduate course, and we also have some of in our our kind of practitioner training. Mm. Um, but we, I think, as we develop, it's something that all the trainers really recognise that we need that more. It needs to be more kind of deeper in there. Um, it's something we need someone else to do that bit. <laughs> We're quite right happy to knit it. Who <laughs> wants to do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's no, it's it's really really important, and I think that the why. The thing I would say as well is that even for the dyed-in-the-wool advocates, the why is really important, actually, um, because one of the things that would have limited the growth of this is just lack of sufficient thought and work to kind of articulate the benefits. It's and I, I like I'll give you an example. I probably I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast. But when I did the, I did a TEDx talk uh, a year and a half ago on passive pain. So and um. And when I was doing the rehearsals for that and getting feedback from the organizers and from the other presenters, it was kind of a bruising process, but it was very useful. I, it was a, kind of a lay audience and just getting brutal, blunt feedback on what worked and what didn't. 
So they allowed me to keep one graph, for instance, and I can imagine the passive house uh, uh, nutters out there uh, uh, having conniptions over this, <laughs> losing their lovely graphs, right? Um, mm. And I was only allowed to keep that one graph because it was funny. <laughs> um, this is, this is the right thing, though. Like, oh, we don't. If if the thing you're communicating about is valuable and it's accessible, you don't need charts. You just say what the chart says. Mm -hmm. the The chart was a punchline, like there was a pullback and reveal. Watch the TED talk. I'll stick it in the show notes again. I'll have a look. I'll have a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Right, but sorry, yeah, I interrupted you mid flow and Jeff. No, it's fine. And what, 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 the, what the graph was specifically was showing was um, it was a passive house uh, near where I live actually in Dolleary by uh, Stephen Tierney, architect. Uh, it was his own house, um, and he had uh, a dashboard for his ventilation system, as you do. Um, and uh, an online dashboard so he could he could monitor it while he was uh you know where i don't know so um he went away to spain um and uh left his teenage son looking after the house and uh he spotted uh, the the co2 level spiking at, at about 7 or 8 p.m going off <laughs> over over 2000 going literally off the chart and not coming down again until three in the morning whatever and he was able to catch his son red-handed you know <laughs> but it, but I, I do think it's important because understanding how to pitch this stuff to normal people to people who are not yeah. who are not interested yeah. in this yeah. stuff uh yeah. necessarily is i mean i i, I have enormous difficulty with that because i personally believe it's an experiential thing mm. once you've been in you've lived in the past house for a few days almost depending on what's like outside you know it's just it, it, <laughs> Oh, is the heating on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what well, you think. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> it, 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 so I don't know. So you can talk about that, but until you, know, you get people doing it, in more people doing it, I don't think. I think this is to ignore the economic circumstances. There's yeah. a bit I always bang on about. Like, uh, I would love for my horse to be better insulated. I would love for it to be uh, re retrofitted to NFIT standard. But there's no way I've got that wedge in my pocket mm. to be able to do it. I could withstand all of the disruption. I'm not sure about my missus, but I would. Um, <laughs> but there's there's no hope. Like it's it's just not attainable to yeah. most people. I mean, part of the reason why I was really interested to have you guys on today, Jeff suggested it was because you spend so much time in certification, yeah. and we know there's a whole heap of listeners here who they. They work in uh, social housing or yeah. they work with like large chunks of building stock. And now of prime importance is the need to make them more energy efficient, not just to make tenants' lives easier because some of these people, they have their necks on the chopping block. Mm. If they don't meet uh, fuel poverty targets. Mm. Like these are legal requirements. This is like sort of some people are... are you know, they will face prosecution if they don't meet mm. some of these targets. And what you guys are doing through helping people or helping people through going through the certification process, you'll be butting up against the mistakes that people make all mm. the time, like the reasons why people can't get certified. So mm. to your point, like Passive House, you know, it's a brand name. It's a really useful mm. one. But really, we're just aiming for not expending energy and carbon unnecessarily be it through embodied or upfront carbon, 
or through the the operational energy use within a home? Absolutely. I mean, I always thought that um, the reason that we we persuaded the rest of the ACB to go with us and push for it was that basically we said until you've got a reasonable level of insulation, which clearly the UK housing stock hasn't, until you've got a reasonable level, it's not worth thinking about embodied energy. So to people like... Do do, do you know what I mean? So so that was the push. It's different now. If you've got a passive house, then it really is worth thinking about. If that's your intention, it really yeah, yeah. is worth thinking about what materials you can get. It is worth getting a, an embodied carbon analysis done because it will it, it will change the way you do things, you know, probably for the better, I would suggest. I mean, so passive house doesn't stand by itself. And I mean, yeah. but on, on retrofit, I mean, I think, you know, we have to accept that, yeah, meeting benefit is difficult. Uh, and Very. only really can happen when you've got an opportunity to do a total refit. I mean, the stepwise. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, go on. Well, the yeah. kind of thing that you're yeah. talking about, Dan, is, um, I think, is, is really super solid. And we have um, we've gone and done assessments on buildings where they put external wall insulation in, and they were so leaky. This was the some. This was a load of social housing. Mm. That the insulation made no difference to anything because the walls, everything, the, the air was just coming up underneath the insulation whipping through. So the the next step there would have been the only way you could improve the how in the homes was to rip the insulation off. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's ultimately we cannot afford to make those kind of mistakes. Mm-hmm. We need so the stepwise approach allows you to. Do what's possible without having to outlay everything in one go. But it means that everything that you do is kind of going towards it. The other thing that I think is the Institute <laughs> we did a, um, a webinar on low-cost inputs to DIY inputs that you can do that they would recommend, which I think is a really lovely resource for people in exactly that situation. I think that this is it's something where it's really nice seeing the ACB has done an awful lot to think about this um, and also the Passive House Institute and the information is there and particularly the Efficiency Now campaign that the Institute did last year, which this uh, webinar is kind of finalised in, is just, it's it's so useful and it gives really solid advice that is applicable to pretty much everything. There's something in there that will be that people can do to the main home. So I think there's kind of various things, isn't there? Because there's like there's homeowners who are unlikely to have a lot of capital and kind of what mm-hmm. can you do? Um, and I think that's though that kind of really captures that stuff. We then have uh, kind of landlords and particularly particularly social landlords. And that's been something which I just I honestly I feel so proud that that has been and that there's so many passive house and homes that are social housing in the UK. I feel like that's been such a massive success story. And particularly the post-occupancy, we've done quite a lot of post-occupancy on social housing because they're just, you know, they're first of all, they're not that love that geek that is looking at his uh, ventilation rates. And they didn't really care that much. They didn't choose it. And secondly, we've got a lot of houses that are built with the same with people that are going to behave in all kinds of different ways. So they're fantastic to study. Um, for example, the 
the feedback from Goldsmith Street and the impact that it had on those occupants made me cry mm. because it just, when you're getting in amongst the details and kind of worrying about the numbers and the things that you pick up on site where you ask them to do things differently and all of this kind of geeky stuff, to have it result in something where it has mm. such an impact on individuals it's it's phenomenal yeah it's absolutely phenomenal and that's part of our kind of the continual learning because some of that also is quite uncomfortable and things where you're like oh okay we really screwed that bit you know that didn't you know and i think that's um, but you have to allow that right you have to make sure that you're open to that unfortunately (laughs) but it's really so important to get that you know there's still so much for us to learn and that Mm. that network of the passive house community is yeah, it's just, it's a really great place to be, to be able to really feast upon that learning. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, apologies for my ignorance. So were you involved in the Goldsmith Street job? Yeah. So we so, were the, So what did you do? Yeah. So we were the Passive House consultants on it. And we also did the mechanical design for it, um, which is, uh, so yeah, so that was, it was, and we're now working on the next scheme with the same team for York Council, which is 300 homes. Oh, yeah. Mikhail, Paul Mikhail Riches, like they, we gave him a really hard time on the first one and they came back and asked for more. So <laughs> the work that we did on that project and that lovely kind of collaborative team working together was just, yeah, really, really incredible. But it's one of, you know, there are many that have done that are really great social housing projects. We have so many that oh, are yeah. really fantastic. Did you hear the news about uh, Wimbush recently? There was a study uh, published um, on uh, this. Is, this is the Hasto Housing Association. Yeah, 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 you yeah, probably yeah, certified. Yeah. You probably certified it, did you? Um, yeah, we, did, did, we had we had a project that was running at the same time. Okay, um, was that? But yeah, Wimbush is absolutely magic. Well, the, well, the story was a ten-year study done on Wimbush, which was completed in 2011. Fourteen houses. And apparently some of the residents are still only paying £30 per quarter for heating, which is just ridiculous, you know. Um, so. oh, right. <laughs> All right, before we move on, so this one you just described, Wimbish Street, did you say? No, just Wimbish. Wimbish. Wimbish, isn't it? Uh, W-I-M-B-I-S-H. All right, so Google that. Uh, Goldsmith Street, like, how on earth do any of those projects get away? Like, how on earth does anyone get it off the ground? Because it, it seems mm-hmm. preposterous. Everyone's terrified of the upfront cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, tenants are, so we spoke with, we were on someone else's podcast, Scottish Housing News, with a, I forget his name, uh, I've forgotten. This housing association he worked for in Glasgow, they've been they're committed to Passive House for all new building stock, but they paused it because it was, they were encountering problems with Costing, the tenants. Cost problems? Sorry, no, it, was, it seemed to be with the tenants more than oh, anything right. else because of the change in way that the building has to be used yeah. and managed. Yeah. And they were getting negative feedback. So how on earth did any of them projects get away? Well, uh, the first thing I'd say, Dan, before, <laughs> before the, the, other, the other's answer is um, new build and cost uh, uplift for Passive House and retrofit and cost up that there are two very different animals, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we the projects we've been involved with, that tenant engagement piece has varied an awful lot from mm. one project to the other. Sometimes they're like, there's no budget to anything. And we say, well, we'll do something as a freebie just because we want to give them a bit of support, but it could be quite limited. In other projects, there's been quite a lot of hand-holding. Mm. 
Um, yeah, and I'm really surprised that they've, uh, we've, we've never had something, generally the tenant feedback is just phenomenal. Like that's the bit, as I said, where you're suddenly like, oh my God, it was all worth it. So it'd be lovely to hear a bit more about that. But in terms of the the kind of client commitment, that historically, the first projects that we did were all where they wanted to do a pilot project. Mm. And it was really, it was fantastic that they had that drive. But it was the amount of training and kind of upskilling that was involved in every member of the team to get to that mm. point. And then they did it. And those people just went went away and back to their normal stuff. And that just felt like it was absolutely heartbreaking. You know, particularly you get someone that becomes like the airtimers guru on site. And yeah. then it's like, all right, off you pop. And it just, oh, it felt so sad. Particularly one of the, the first uh, Passive House school that we did, Montgomery and Exeter, was exactly like that. And the team were just, they were just such, it was BAM that did it. And they were such a good team. And then... Just nothing. Like, you know, there wasn't another project for them to go on. And the thing that feels really exciting to me about what's happening in Scotland, but also when you've got uh, clients like Exeter and like Norwich, Norwich as well, yeah. who absolutely did the same thing, who were the clients on Goldsmith Street and uh, Brack and Three School, which are two other really fantastic projects in that area, was they saw that it was, they they developed a pipeline of projects. And that in terms of the, the kind of capital cost, the learning, mm-hmm. everything just becomes kind of finely tuned. And it's amazing the difference in terms of the things that are coming up on particularly, so we're now into, uh, we're just about to finish off the R first, as in Warm's first certification of a school in, in Scotland. And the team are going straight on to a school that's two miles away down the road to build another one. Right. And that is just like they're going, the the, the conversation that we're having, and that is exactly the same that we saw on Agar yeah. uh, Grove, which we uh, were the certifiers on, of having that kind of phase, 10 years worth of work for Hill, if yeah. they, you know, they had to win each phase, but it made sense to put the time in, and for the designers as well, it all made kind of to go to site, really understand what was going on, and to try and work out how to do it better again. And that's the bit where I think, just everything becomes smoother and easier. And so it feels really, those clients, oh, I feel like they're they're doing so much more than they get recognition for in terms of that pipeline. The infrastructure. And, yeah, exactly. It's exactly that. Like that means it it's a real change in direction and it really, it helps people to get engaged that otherwise wouldn't. So that piece about kind of how do you, uh, how do you get people engaged? And part of it is really tricky if you're saying, well, I'm going to make your life really hard. You're going to have to do way more work. Uh, and it's just for one project. Whereas if it's a, like, this is a step change. I think, I think, I think the thing is, you know, um, one thing that's got, that's got to help. Uh, and hopefully co-action will be central to this. Um, you you need to reach a critical mass whereby there's mm-hmm. so many people, so much throughput of people through training. And I noticed that you've got d- designer and trades people. There'll be enough of a bedded in knowledge of how to do it uh, throughout the industry that will help. The other thing you need <laughs> needs to come in maybe is that there needs to be a, a qualification or a training course for how to be a better client, how to be, <laughs> how to be, you know, how to how to care about people. <laughs> well, the, the- the key point of your description of the the project there was you had a client that was prepared to contemplate this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the key points that you you have to start with the client who's interested. So you need a charismatic leader of sorts mm-hmm. who assembles a team 
Mm. And then you can get a project away. But the vital part beyond that is working out how to build a pipeline. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, yeah. So, yeah. so, so but I mean, in, in some ways, it's that, you know, how, how, what, why do people take a punt at it? I think yeah. it does make sense, basically. And, and if we can keep to the simple level, uh, the simple explanation, maybe like after looking at your TEDx talk uh, there, Jeff, if you can keep it simple like that, people get it. You know, they yeah. really get it. That this is a way of doing some of reducing the amount of pollution we put into the planet, uh, and it's got and it's it has a, a certain level of verification. Right? It probably works. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few things within that, though. Like, I don't think anyone's ever going to dispute passive house. Like, it's some people will uh, some people will. Well, well people... and, and also the, the standard might not be the appropriate one in every circumstance. Yes. Well, well, I so mean, you need thing... to be. We need to be. Able, I mean, I think Sally right. said it. So we so, do right. energy buildings. Yeah. Take we because that's what we need. Yes. Um, but, but we also need to be open to where we're going because you know. Okay, we, as Jeff, you said it. You know, oh, and you down. You said new build. I think we can just put a tick. We know how to do it in the UK. Yeah. Okay. For most building types. Yeah. So yeah. For most, yeah. Retrofit, oh, God, we haven't got a clue, really. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In terms of reaching benefit, we can do a much lower level. Well, uh, what, what about the ACV standards there, the, the, new, the new retrofit standards? Um, I think it's really exciting. The opportunity that they have, the kind of thought great. process they've gone through. Now, obviously, this needs to be kind of tested and honed and everything else, because it's just, at the moment, it's just an idea. And... You know, kind of, you talk to everyone that was involved in development, and you're like, "Oh, but what about this? And what about that?" And they're like, "We don't know. We're just, we're just working it out." <laughs> it feels to me like it's completely appropriate for what we're trying to do, and actually makes meaningful change yeah. without limiting what could happen in the future and the what needs to both taking account of that longer view so in a similar way to kind of the stepwise stuff it says it so that you don't end up in a position where you're paralyzed because Mm. with inaction because everything feels way too much it allows you a route through to make serious change but without it being you know without losing sight of what is necessary so when when we get some um, decent governance that kind of really wants to make change then you're you're working towards it i think it's um yeah so very excited about that well this is it i, I just explained to listeners so there's an the ACB has had an existing retrofit standard for some time the new one uh, and that they're they've kind of rebranded them as well the new one is uh it's called level one uh so it's carbon light uh retrofit level one i think is the settled name i think um and then they've got carbon light uh, retrofit level two, which is the kind of existing retrofit standard, and level one. Uh, so the first thing is that it's 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 based on the passive house methodology and software, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was self certification. They're moving now mm-hmm. to a to a certification system with a list of accredited certifiers and mm-hmm. a kind of a, a peer review process among them and so on, which sounds fantastic. And uh, and a documentary upload system and, and so on that is being built at the moment. And then you've got uh, the standard hinges on. And it'd be interesting, Dan, and in from your perspective, whether this is too far away from reality mm-hmm. or something like exactly. you. Exactly. Well, we, we need to question Dan about his house in a minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's it's an air tightness of of five uh, as mm-hmm. a minimum. Um, a mechanical ventilation, either heat recovery ventilation or or like a demand control mechanical extract ventilation system. Uh, insulation where you can, um, but critically, as Sally was uh, alluding to, you have to make sure that you're not locking out the potential for future insulation. That's the one. Yeah. That's, I mean, in a way, that's the beauty about the step by step because you can actually you can do a full energy yeah. analysis on Dan's yeah. house. Yeah. And you know, you, Dan, you've got to add 150 mil of external wall insulation and rip your windows out. Is that okay? <laughs> you don't have to do it now. You can do yeah. it in the future. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It, gives you a, it gives you an end point. And I think the beauty of the ACB stand, I think they're level one. I think it's brilliant. I think they're really, I mean, the retrofit is a, Huge problem. I think part of the thing is we have funding for new buildings. We don't have any funding for refurbishment. Yeah. In, in yeah. the UK, you want to do a new estate, you can get you know, draw up the plans and send it to Home of England or whatever and get grants and, and do it. If you want to do if you've got an estate already and you want to retrofit it, where do you get the money from? Yeah. So it's in your own coffers, you know, and that's, that's a serious issue, I think. And until that's broken, I don't think there's going to be enough to really sort the market out. The, what the ACB doing is a holding position of keeping the knowledge there so that it, maybe when we wake up in five years, ten years, What's it's useful. That? I think it's mm. it's because the whole basis, as Jeff was saying, was kind of that there's these minimum stand, things that you have to do as well as the whole assessment of what needs doing mm. permanently. Uh, as well as that is like it's what is... What do you have to do to get to a point where a heat pump makes sense? Yeah. And that is, I think this is the bit which is um, what's really exciting because it wasn't what they kind of intended to set out to do, but actually in terms of making serious change, it's that lovely, I think it really straddles the piece between um, not allowing things to be overlooked for future, but also doing something that is fundamentally a huge shift from... Mm. What whatever the um, performance of your building is now, it's allowing that mega change now. So, yeah, I think it's a, I mean, undoubtedly there'll be things where in five years' time I'll say, oh, that was rubbish or, you know, whatever else. But I think in terms of the kind of starting piece about, you know, how do we get benefit on all of these buildings? And it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. And whilst we are seeing an increase in interest in in benefit, which is fantastic. It's way too slow. And this is the thing where when you have friends ask about what should I do with my house? Yeah. And you're like, right, well, first of all, you're gonna need a hundred K and then we'll <laughs> we'll start talking. Yeah. you know, that it's just this is this to me, that whole kind of uncomfortable conversation that you have with them, mm-hmm. this is the answer. It's like go there, look at this. I'd really recommend that's the, um, I think the stepwise and it, like there's a lot of common ground there between mm. the two of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think it's a really fantastic resource. <laughs> Sorry? Sorry, go ahead. Peter. I was going to say, tell us about your house, Dan. How is it? <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll, I live in a 30 semi, loads of busted windows. Like, yeah. you know, they're secure, but leaking. Yeah. The heat, I mean, it just loses heat. Like the yeah. attic is insulated, but... Yeah. Uh, I've no idea. Oh, uh, we've got uh, air bricks, ventilation. I've got a hole in the the, the chimney breast has been closed up. I found I spotted a, a hole in it for some reason there. Uh, 
which I'm reluctant to just get closed for the sake yeah. of ventilation. Just keep, keep, keeps the damp out ventilation. But this is it, yeah. <laughs> like, for this sort of, like, I've been banging on about this for months. Like, uh, mm. like oh, where do I start? Do I start with insulation or do I think about heating my home in a more energy efficient manner? You know, fabric first. All right. Which fabric? Because <laughs> a man like Nathan Gambling is constantly pointing out that if you design your heating system better, better than the one you've got, a heat pump will be suitable for most homes, even this one, because <laughs> the performance of the, the, the unit in terms of generating heat in operational carbon terms <laughs> and cost is better mm. like if i could rip up the floors and convert it to underfloor heating even better i'd still be losing plenty but i could maintain a, an equilibrium temperature mm. i think that, that's exactly the the this is where the acb standard comes in because it's got some really great um, very simple requirements for example it says that the flow temperature must not be above 45 degrees which means that the the efficiency of the heat pump is really good and it means that kind of care as you say about the the system has been designed well so you've got a good i mean obviously going lower flow temperature is definitely a good thing mm. but that's like the absolute minimum it said you must achieve better than that so you're going to have a heat pump which is going to be well suited for and and do okay in terms of the efficiency and as you say is going to provide you know significant carbon savings but it also has hit the basic things about uh, health in terms of ventilation Mm -hmm. and also the basic stuff in terms of making fabric improvements but it's so it it very much is presented as a step towards it the stepwise i don't know have you come across that band so what is stepwise so the idea is it's um, it's for situations, and this can be any building. So it could be a healthcare building, it could be your home, and it could be an office block, or it could be a swimming pool, where um, it's not possible to do all of the retrofit in one go. And that might be because there are tenants in place, or most likely is because yeah, there's not enough funding to do it in one go. So what you do as an energy consultant is we would do the work to kind of to do a plan of what needs doing for the building you know what is the ultimate goal so you've got an end point to go for then you start to split it up and say well actually we want to do this in so many stages and the thing that's broken right now is the windows so we need to do those but what else do we need to consider whilst that's happening well if we make the windows you know, they're our primary source of ventilation at the moment through all the leaks that are coming through. So if we do that, we definitely need to have a consideration of the ventilation system. We need to make sure that goes in first. So it means that we end up with something which is really thoughtful in terms of all of the steps and also things like the detail of how you put the window in will mm-hmm. be considerate of where the insulation is going later because yeah, you've yeah. got that solid plan about where you go. And we've done this kind of thing for, you know, kind of massive hospitals and stuff like that. So you can do it for a range of scales. It's not, um, but it just means that every time you do something, and it might even just be when those things break and you replace something, you've got already an idea about what you should be aiming at, you know, what you have to do and what you have to consider in terms of those other implications. Yeah, I think it's incredibly powerful. The the stepwise approach sounds... I mean, it sounds ideal. It sounds like the sort of thing that everyone should be attempting. So if one has a project like a me or a, a landlord with multiple houses or a social landlord, like a, a, a private renter, 
uh, a private landlord, sorry. Who do they go to to develop a plan like that? Because we can't do it on our own, and we've lost an awful lot of the expertise within these institutions through fragmentation and outsourcing. So no one knows how any of this stuff works anymore. Mm-hmm. Like who who can you speak to to help you with such a plan? Well, you're asking the business. Yeah, this is ultimately, that's the role of you want someone that is an energy consultant who has experience in retrofit. Um, If you're aiming at um, Enerfit, then you definitely need someone that's a passive house consultant that has Mm. got that that understanding. I think the level of detail that they go into varies from project to project. So that's part of a conversation about what you actually want out of it and how much engagement you want with them. There are people there and able to do it. And certainly in terms of both those one-off homes and also the uh, larger estates, there are people that really that is their core business is mm-hmm. do is building up those kinds of pieces of work. So there is there's a qualification in the UK called retrofit coordinator. Have you come across this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of similar in many ways, but not um the there, it isn't as robust in terms of the retrofit plans that they develop. I don't think, in my view, are not as robust as the um, the elephant um, step, yeah. step versions. But that is there's a number of consultants. The ones that are kind of springing off the top of my head, for example, um, there is um, eco design consultants, which is Alan Budden, who's based oh, in um, yeah. Milton Keynes. There's also um, Archetype are doing this mm. for large swathes of education buildings, as are John Gilbert's looking at um, uh, kind of estates of houses, uh, kind of social yeah. houses mm-hmm. and things like that. So there are there's that knowledge is being, and people like, as we said, kind of Eric Fuster again um, in Manchester, really fantastic kind of knowledge about how to, um, yeah, how to do that. But the, the basics of how to put this stuff together as well is really rooted in the passive house designer qualification. So that information about what to worry about and um, what things need to go first is it's all the same stuff. Yeah. um, Yeah. Sorry. What Sally's also saying implying is that really that, you know, you you don't need to do to understand the passive house methodology or the PHPP worksheets. But if you do it does give you a, a bit more credence, really. No, you do need well, to know. You do I need, think, well, I need think, to do that. But yeah. you need you need to know something equivalent to it, presumably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and and there is a danger in me saying and phrasing it like that. Because well, who defines equivalence exactly? Yeah, yeah, there's a whole yeah. lot of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But what's what's re- sorry? I'll let you get to your point in a second, Jeff. What's interesting about that is so the the work that you're offering through educational institutions in giving. Uh, undergraduates are grounding in first principles that would lead them to to passive house is happening in conjunction with a range of uh, businesses and players within the built environment, the whole sector, who are pulling together these things. Now, the big challenge we've got, so I was talking with Tanya Illing Council earlier today, how do we do this at scale? Mm. Because uh, we are relying too much on charismatic leaders. Mm. So Tanya, and I'm including you in that, um, yeah. but for like Duncan Smith as well, you know, our uh, erstwhile colleague who he's busy working away at uh, River Plain Homes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, for like those guys at ECD, for uh, yeah. 
uh, John Gilbert, JGA, yeah? Uh, yeah. Like, all sorts of people. You know, we've had a whole bunch of them on. But the bit we're at now, so the, the chatter at the start of the episode about the history of the ACB mm. was interesting because what you described was a bunch of amateurs having a go and turning it into a business. So you yeah. used the word play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what so, you've got to do. I think, you know, be a bit creative. In, you need to well, this, play. <laughs> yeah, but back in the 80s and 90s, that sort of thing was possible. Mm. Now, in the 2020s, no. Mm. You've got to be economically productive, and there is no other option because there's no money. Like mm. So we are at a point where we need to be finding a way to make this scale to work with the scant resources we have available mm. to us. So talking about my situation, wanting mm. to renovate this home, talking about folk like Ealing Council who need to renovate their building stock, folk who are planning, so like our, the, the the guy in Glasgow, whose name I forget, apologies, who... Andrew Kubski, that's his name. I that it. was it, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, who have committed to Passive House, but they're finding... They paused it a little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, yeah. Well, they they were investigating, like, all right, where are we up to? This is West of Scotland the, Housing Association. That's who they were. That's yeah. it. Because uh, the the challenge that they were facing was no one likes change. Mm. So, like, we've heard of all these great things. So, I think the educational piece that you're doing is an amazing catalyst for this. But how do we seek ways to scale this? Or am I asking too big a question here? Should I be asking something much more uh, targeted? Like Jeff said, in fact, because we're probably running long now, we'll get them on because they know where the bodies are buried. That's that's what I wanted to really talk about. We we carefully haven't talked about any of those. We only said (laughs) it was was fun and not everything went according to plan. Yeah. So, well, I, 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 no, I am interested. I don't want you to have to, and I, I, in the spirit of keeping phrase specific and criticism generic, I don't, I'm not asking you to name and shame anyone. No, 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 um, no, we wouldn't do it anyway. You know, I, no, no. Uh, but, no, but but it but does I, scare me though that stuff. You know, as you say, like all of that stuff done really freaks me out in terms of, uh, and I guess that there's kind of two parts to it. So part of it, I hope the answer actually lies in us in finding enough interested people or people that are kind of willing to get engaged with this. And I do think generally the construction sector has got a lot of people where they have been fairly well downtrodden and there has been a whole kind of trying to take the skills out of stuff. Mm. And I think the thing that's this potentially has the opportunity to put that care and skill back into things but that also, you know, how much do we rely on that and how much do we do and um, uh, kind of hope that it's just um, that everything is going to be a computer building everything for us in the future? <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's quite, a, um, it is really difficult. And that whole thing about, you know, having to persuade people to do stuff, I, I absolutely hate that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's not me at all. I want to be getting on with the nice geeky numbers. Thank you very much. And I happily once there, but I really recognise that piece about, you know, like we did a piece of work of saying, you know, kind of what do we actually, what what does the construction industry need? And we came up with the three courses that we've got as being actually the the most crucial in terms of the passive house designer course. That there's kind of you know new build say kind of twenty mm. percent of the designers need that. Then there's the bite size course, which is a short introduction, kind of four half day sessions, 
And that's the other 80% of the designers and about 50% of the um, construction managers need that. And then there's the contractor training, which the other 50% of the construction managers need that. And then there's a, so we kind of said, that's all right. And then you're like, oh, bloody hell, but what about the clients? As you say, what about the people that are funding this stuff? And that's the point where my head exploded and I had to go and have a lie down. I, <laughs> so, I, I think it's a passive house marketing course, honestly. I think it is, or, or, or a sustainable mm-hmm. building marketing course. You know, um, you talked about it from the trade person's uh, perspective, for instance. Um um, and this thing that you, 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 cause we write about these buildings all the time. And when you ring up, uh, the builder or the plumber or whatever working mm-hmm. on these jobs, if you speak to them, oftentimes you'll find that there's, there's this kind of sense of pride and excitement that you don't normally find in construction. Mm-hmm. We're in an industry, uh, in Ireland, it's the same in the UK, um, uh, that it has serious reputational issues to kind of, to, to, mm-hmm. that, that, that stop, that make it difficult to attract new blood to come in. It's the man, the hairy arse man in the van kind of thing, you know, um, and um, nothing against hairy arse men in vans, of course. Uh, but uh, but the point is that um, uh, if you take something like the air tightness target, for instance, I think that's a really good one to kind of focus on. I think it's as simple as saying to these people who are working these projects, if you've hit that, you know, 0.6 air changes per hour, that's a world class building, right? Um, in, in terms of it, of the the quality of your workmanship to deliver that, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and the quality as well from you know the whole team, the designer to to detail it correctly and so on. And you know, uh, it's not like um, an architectural award or something where where um, it's, a lot of it might be about the the, the shiny new thing. Mm-hmm. This is about the you know which which may not reflect particularly well um, or, or or badly on what went on on site in reality, you know, other than the finish that was applied to it, you know? Um, You know, I mean, we've had conversations with contractors who we've been, we've gone in quite hard and been very critical of work that we've seen. And we're we're very nice, uh, but we're quite blunt and direct. And the pushback we received was very fair. And it made us reassess, like we go in this cycle blaming different people. Mm-hmm. You know, do you blame the contractor? Do you blame the designer? Do you blame mm-hmm. the procurement people? Mm-hmm. Do you blame the client? Or um, you blame yourself. You say, I'm sorry I didn't get here a year earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but like often the contractors, like they don't have the room to take pride mm-hmm. in their work because their margins have been cut to the mm-hmm. bone. And so pressure is put on mm-hmm. uh, the, the the personnel who are actually doing the work. Mm-hmm. And so there are all sorts of knock-on effects mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. ride, I'm proud to move on to the next job, mm-hmm. mega what it looks like. And the work might be checked and tested and it's mm-hmm. been delivered to the specification that was agreed by the designer, dictated by the client, which itself was dictated by cost. Mm-hmm. So you're describing people who will be proud to deliver uh work that performs really badly in terms of air tightness because that's what they were asked to do i'm not sure i'm not sure even that they are particularly proud i mean we had there's a the ground worker on st sidwell's project the swimming pool um in exeter they said that um that was the first project in 12 years that he was proud to work on you know, he felt he was so like he was so grateful to be given something where that whole thing, as you say that, and I really love that description, Jeff, of the kind of that this is a world class building. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's absolutely magic. I'm definitely going to 
take that and spread it wide because <laughs> I do think there's a that yeah that whole kind of people noticing the quality of workmanship and I really get it does of course that costs more than if you just ask them to do it and no one's going to check it and it doesn't really matter yeah. um, but at the same time we're doing a project at the moment which is a retrofit of a 2012 school so pretty much what our building rates wow. now we're retrofitting and actually the construction quality is really quite good okay. but it's a steel frame building and the we there was some they did some thermographic surveys of it and there's so much thermal bypass throughout the whole thing and it is just what looking at the details and going you've got a steel frame that kind of overhangs on the eaves and what the hell do you actually do with that <laughs> and it's just it's really painful it's really really painful and you just think the the cost and the effort that's going into the retrofit of that project mm -hmm. that alone should be just a you know kind of hold on a minute we need to stop all construction and think about it because it's it's absolutely in terms of its thermal performance it's absolutely horrendous so you know it, it is um it's just the insanity of to what end is the what we're doing is normal hmm. yeah um well it's an interesting example you got there so we have a builder who the building that was designed as a turd, but beautifully built as a turd. <laughs> this, this is it. Like, to what end? Well, to what end is GDP, isn't it? Like, uh, it, isn't, it isn't necessarily doing good work. It's generating That's economic right. activity that can be yeah. counted on mass. You know, I, what's I, the I gross, couldn't, couldn't not the debt. More, Dan, I couldn't agree more with that, so Dan. I think it's a basic problem we have is that, in a sense, we 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 actually need to be make sure that you know it's like people who decide who, who make decisions on projects, clients are actually connected somehow with at least the area in which it's going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, because the more disconnect you get, the worse the worse the result seems to be, as far as I can make out. Yeah. Well, but this this is absolutely true. Like, mm -hmm. I can't wait to get Duncan back on to talk about what he's doing in Greenock because, mm. like, it it sounds really remarkable. Like, he sounds incredibly proud of what he's he's being given the opportunity to aim for. Like, he's a very ambitious man, um, mm. and it sounds like he's got an opportunity. He has there an opportunity where he's being fully supported to. Yeah, Aim really hard. Uh, yeah, one of the earliest projects I had was that the Welsh Development Board funded me and Julian Bishop for six months. Well, not full time, but but quarter time uh, to do research on industri uh, industrial units, pre pre built industrial units for outside the countries. And yeah. because of that, the kind of knock on. If the fact that the client was prepared to put that amount of money in, which is pretty small compared to the cost of the first building, mm. but because he was prepared to do that, enabled us to spend time really trying to work out what what, what was actually going to be a good solution. Um, so clients who are enlightened, uh, bless them, we need more of them. <laughs> yeah. I think your, your point about how we can motivate this sort of work. So mm. we have this debate endlessly that comfort is the motivator. Now, everyone wants a comfortable home. Like yeah. it, it, money is the motivator. 
So in terms of there are grants available for for building whole estates or there is yeah. money available, accessible. The new build, new yeah. Estates, new yeah. Build. In the UK anyway, yeah. yeah. Because it's easy to quantify that. Yeah. Now, if you're talking about uh, things like GDP and associated industries and associated economic activity, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try and get too conspiratorial, but in terms of the energy industry – Retrofit is not good for them. Mm. We are in the last gasp of uh, um, mm. the dying throes of an energy industry mm. in its current manifestation, which you can see evidence of that in the, the hydrogen debate. Mm. I mean, how is it even a bloody debate? It has its place. It's just yeah, our own. <laughs> I can agree more. It's this. Anyway, we have, yeah. to, we, have to, we have to have this perception of, you know, challenging things to make sure that they're okay. Well, this is this is where you. It's so important that you go and pollute the minds of as many uh, designers and tradespeople in the industry, right? Um, yes. And 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 get this kind of radicalism out there, you know. Well, I think that's it. Getting them at uni when they're semi-radicalized because of their, they've had their opportunities stripped and they're being charged. How much is an education nowadays? We've, how how much are you being saddled with with this new graduate tax? Yeah. Like, if you can't yeah. take pride and satisfaction in your work, helping yeah. you, your peers, your family, yeah. your country, uh, uh, you're still being, I mean, there's all sorts of issues with architecture as a practice where people are getting stepped on, like the workers themselves. Like, man, what are we playing at? The bit we need to crack, and I don't know, or in fact, I have a theory about this. Uh, the bit we need to crack is quantifying comfort in economic terms so the moment comfort and energy performance begin to affect the assets the housing assets mm. value yeah. on a large scale or a small scale don't care so mm. once that starts happening then all of a sudden retrofit becomes a whole new industry mm. but this because- is i mean that the piece around health and that has already been completed and this is what's so completely balmy is that the the assessment of the health mm. impacts and the impacts on it's it. Short, particularly, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it's recently and, been done in homes, yeah. and that for um, the impact for the cost for the NHS, yeah. so this is a piece of work <laughs> the, um, the um, passive house benefits guide, and it's kind of a you know something that those could be comparable to other low energy retrofit of buildings as well it's just it's absolutely phenomenal, and yet somehow the kind of access mechanism for the money is isn't there but mm. i mean i think but with the, all of this it's really easy for us to like there is so much which we have we don't have control over and um i we the thing that i really take from working with dad is how that the kind of choice choices that you do have and really trying to and this kind of goes back to um you know, your personal choices and the impacts that you make. And it can feel like it's just so overwhelming that you as an individual cannot do anything. But the reality is, is that that does matter. And you have to believe that it does matter. And the things like the education that we provide, you know, the the passive house consultants that come out of our training may never work on a passive house project, but that yeah. knowledge they got it. They it's, know how to it matter. You know, it's almost. I mean, obviously, it'd be they'd be much happier. It'd be much better if they do work on a passive house project. But hopefully, there's enough understanding about 
what makes a difference to the performance of a building, that they can make design choices within whatever remit it is that they have, that they can have that influence. And that's the bit where I really, um, I have to believe that that is possible and that we don't have to rely on those clients, you know, other people making decisions. It's great if we get the clients, it's great if we get the funding, all of those things we want to happen and we need to happen. But whilst we're waiting for it, we still need to have action that we can take. Mm. And I really want the training to me is about that as well, is providing in that intermediate thing, what can we teach contractors about what makes a difference to mm. performance and what things can they do that might just take five minutes extra or mm. might just be something that they can they can just about consider doing within you know, that allows them to have uh, just the kind of pride in their work or feeling like they're part of the solution and that they're not just um, creating more turds. Right. We're really long on time. Yeah, Jeff, yeah. Jeff, is there anything you want to ask before? Uh... Uh, well, they just have to have them back on sometime, I think. You know, there's, yeah. loads, there's loads more things to talk about. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Well, in terms of like straightforward practical advice, if anyone's thinking about wanting to aim for a passive house standard, be it on a domestic project or uh, a, a larger scale set of projects, what are the common mistakes that they should be avoiding? Like, what what do you see? Like the 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 obvious things that are obvious to you that might not I think be obvious. The, the earlier you can get in, the more control you have over what makes a difference to the cost and the stress and. Um, on the project so yeah getting that feedback early and it almost doesn't matter that is the most important thing if you get someone in to give you some support at the very beginning of a project and get the key things right about the building mass and uh, kind of the glazing and those really basic things everything else is of value but those things are very very difficult to undo so Uh That I'd say is, you know, kind of it's great hearing Jeff do it more. Like, yeah, you've got it right. Um, <laughs> well, hang, hang on a minute. I think there's another way of looking at it, though, isn't it? I would say actually that the thing, most important thing, or the worst mistake you can make is to have enthusiasm without the knowledge and experience. And if you're a designer, if you're a client or you're an architect, yeah. wherever you are, and you want to do it and you haven't had an experience, you need to get someone in to help you first time. Don't try and do it on your own. It's oh. just because it, 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 your your head will explode. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the different things you're trying to hold together. Um, yeah. I so, think that's it. Yeah, that learning from you know the the mistakes of others is really yeah. crucial. And this is the frustration whenever there's a debate about you know should we be doing triple glazing or double glazing. And I just feel a bit like we just need to crack on now. We're at the point where we need to learn what works and we need to just do it. And there is an awful lot of understanding about what works and what mistakes there are. And that's why you want to get that person in so that you don't end up. Mm. Yeah, the most depressing thing is when you see someone make your mistake. Well, you know what? Uh, Exactly. And on this note, and uh, without, we haven't talked about embodied carbon and we don't have time now, but. one of the things that annoys me when I hear people talk about embodied carbon, I've got quite anarchy about the subject recently, um, is the lack of consideration for the quality of the build and the quality of detailing, for instance, on the lifespan of the building and on the need for future improvements and upgrades. I mean, if you're talking about bloody having to retrofit a tw- uh, 11-year-old building, right, um, because they weren't ambitious enough with the energy performance, 
that's an awful lot of embodied carbon waste there in that in that situation. Um, so um, I think that you know that element to it needs to be kind of considered, and the idea of of uh, of thinking about even just weatherproofing detailing, for instance, you know that kind of stuff. Like one thing I'd I'd love to see. I know John Butler actually, the the embodied carbon consultant, talked about when he did his passive house course. They actually talked specifically in the course about uh, about rain and about uh, about weatherproofing. I know it's not a requirement in the courses, mm-hmm. um, but that, that that kind of thing feels to me like it would be a really useful add-on to integrate into these kind of courses so that you're then able to turn around and say, actually, you know, we, we can with confidence say that this is a low energy building that will endure and will work, you know, um, and therefore we, we've got a great head start on embodied carbon already, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, I'm sort of thinking about the retrofit market. Why is it so slow? Why haven't anybody got any money to do it? Why haven't other housing associations with their terraces ideal for sorting out the details and rolling it out, training local people to do the work, you think? And it hasn't happened. And uh, we there is a project um, that's using it, – it's getting the funding um, by using a version of the Energy Sprong analysis and what it basically does is say that um, the person who builds it um, has to be responsible for the running costs for 30 years wow from a lot of building firms it's a bit like oh 30 years hey we're going to be here next year <laughs> 30 years uh, and there are various bonds you have to put in place in case you do fold <laughs> uh, so you know this the idea of um, saying well retrofit costs an awful lot of money it needs to be done properly, otherwise we're wasting it again. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. A, so how do we how do we take that future value which we all know about um, and bring it back today as a, a an investment opportunity for people to you know it makes sense to do this. Not only do you get nice houses and comfortable spaces and good air quality, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but also the 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 money that retrofit needs has has a a source, if you like. Well, well, probably one part of it is, as Duncan talks about, uh, you sell comfort as a service. Um, yeah, so exactly. Well, that's, that's what they do. That's what they they charge. T- the plan is charge ten quid a week on extra uh, uh, for for the comfort charge. It's exactly what they call it. Which is quite interesting. I don't know what is going to go down. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, like ultimately, you want to be in a position where you're not selling people kilowatts. You know, yeah. um, you, you've stitched it into a, it's it's sounds utopian, but um, uh, where where you are just selling them the amenity of the uh, of the heat and hot water, whatever it is. You know, um, so, well, in this in the same way we buy energy, like yeah. it it's the same it's the same outcome. Like it's just we pay more for it and it's less coherent and joined up right so in terms of that person you need to get joined in the beginning of the project in terms of that person you need to join you at the beginning of a project so you're talking like uh yeah an energy consultant uh an experienced building designer an experienced retrofit coordinator uh or assessor sorry yeah, basically, I mean, ideally, yeah. it's a passive house consultant. Even if you're not going for passive house, it's a really, really useful. They're building physicists, tool. right? You know, they're, they're, they're building pathologists, building physicists. Yeah, that's often not people, though. You say, "Oh, I'm building physicists. I come <laughs> to join my team." <laughs> well, I think you need more than a building physicist because they'll understand the fabric. 
right. not necessarily how the people are going to use said fabric. Yeah. <laughs> and that is there's a disparity there. Like yeah. this is not to decry all building physicists as not having adequate social mm. skills. It's just <laughs> you need to do We do like Londons. Let's yeah. yeah. But the, you need to be able to do the, the people centered research to understand Absolutely. like all right, low energy. Mm. What does low energy mean? Because it means mm. something different to me mm. in this house than it does to me mum and dad, where my mum's disabled and she can't put up with a cold house. Right. No, it's a completely different with same stock, but different mm. building stock and mm. absolutely different temperaments. In terms well, I should do her house first then. Oh man, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah. Oh. No, I might be able to get some grant funding for her because she's disabled. <laughs> so yeah, often often we'll look into that. No. I, sh I should say just to just to. Uh, put a tail if we topped the the previous show and depending on how we edit this one with reference to dogs we should tail it because with dogs too because uh lenny one of the 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 journalists uh, who writes for the magazine and um, just sent me through a photograph of a dog-shaped house <laughs> for, a, for a possible case study there you go <laughs> the form factor yeah, it doesn't look great. I, I don't know. Well, did you enter by a, a foot and go up this? We'll put it in the show notes as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, is there anything? Is there anything? Else? Thank you so much to the pair of you. Is there anything that um, that you would like to to plug or to flag? Uh, any last requests? I mean, I think that you know, just need to get people to understand air tightness and ventilation and thermal bridges and some overheating oh yeah uh, more and more and more um you know in the early days we achieved a passive house by bloody great windows and then we soon found oops yeah <laughs> great <laughs> the winter yeah you have to go abroad for summer or north or something yeah exactly. like i mean this is also that whole thing about kind of both learning and also feeling you know like there is um the inadequacy of what we've achieved and, yeah. what, and just actually that the reality is that it's just it is completely yeah. overwhelming and yeah. um this is something which we i think that are where we are mentally with all of this and kind of looking after each other has to be part of what we do and how we discuss this because we question regularly as to whether this is meaningful mm. and whether what we do is worthwhile. And what what the one thing that gets them interested can vary from one person to another, but facing up to it can be incredibly overwhelming. Mm. And I can really understand why people don't at all. You know, but we have to make we you know that's not a choice. They've got yeah. to do it. They've got to face yeah. up to it. And I think also in certain mark, there is a change now. See, when we started past pass, it's all all about heating. And as 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 the standards start to kick in, you realise that there's all the stuff with you know they get rid of gas, and actually it becomes very much like uh, other electrical stuff, other appliances. Suddenly, mm. you start hot water heating. You know how do you do that? Mm. Or uh, you, have you got a PV on the roof? At all? So it's kind of changes, but it's based on having done the fabric, and that seems to be the way it's going anyway. Yeah, fantastic. Well, oh, oh, thanks so much, guys. That's like yeah. really lovely having having the chat. Yeah, yeah, it's been it lovely is. to meet you. Yeah. Very, um, very enlightening. Yeah, yeah, and we didn't really fall out, did we? There's a bit of kicking under the table. But <laughs> 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 That's not <what> anything. <laughs>
<laughs> I thought the dog was under the table. <laughs> okay, lovely. Lovely. No, nice to meet you, Dan. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Still have no idea what you do apart from podcasts and, and not not do retrofits. Oh, um, I do. Oh, well, so Jeff, me, and Alex, the other host, we have a consultancy off the back of this podcast where we help people with messaging, marketing, uh, websites. We do straightforward stuff like that. Um, and we do a strategic consultancy to help businesses within, build, within the built environment address sustainability and decarbonization. Yeah, got it. Brilliant. So, everything Brilliant. from helping an insulation firm with product strategy. How can yeah. they develop their product using Jeff's wealth of experience yeah, yeah. through to talking about the rest of their products and helping yeah. them sell what carbon calculations mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baffling yeah. otherwise. Yeah. 